What is up, Podheads? Tony here with the Podio Slate Podcast. We are back for another week of nerding and shenanigans and conversations with people in the music industry. Uh, and I'm joined by Anthony, as always. How you doing, bud? I'm good. We're in this weird... It's not weird. It, it's like, it's literally what podcasting is. We're in this space where, where we're recording episodes, we're promoting the episodes that just come out, and mm-hmm. we're trying to source new episodes. So it's trying to, like, keep both feet uh, on your feet while walking, you know? Well, the machine is humming, which is a good thing, right? We have stuff coming through. We've got emails. We've got DMs. We've got, uh, you know, stuff scheduled that we hope happens. You know, you're not going to jinx any of that. But And then you get to have the episode that we put out today. It was one of the ones that we were, you know, super proud of. And we're trying to, like, live in that world for a second. But no, we have all these other things to do. So, yeah, it is a weird, it is a weird way to consume this. Here's the reality. It's like whether or not we're doing this podcast, we're going to be listening to music. So like, that's a constant. We definitely listen to more music as a result of For this. Sure. But on top yep. of that, you're, you know, you're learning more about your guests, you're listening to new albums, you're jogging down memory lane. Like mm-hmm. even for this, this conversation we just had, like I went through my old flyers to see, you know, either what shows I attended of the sleeping or ones I missed. And it's constant and we love it. It's like, that's the world we live in. You know, that's, we just fucking love this shit. Yeah. We'd be going to shows. We'd be looking up liner notes. We'd be listening to records on wherever we listen to them, Spotify, Apple music, whatever you, whatever your, uh, you know, music service du jour is, but we get to do the little extra piece and we do the homework on a guest. We get some talking points from say a PR person. And then we find ways to have cool conversations with people like Douglas Robinson of the sleeping, which we just did tonight. So, we're, we're recording this right after the conversation because we just had it and it was awesome and it was a lot of fun to do. And Anthony, you just saw them live two weeks ago. And uh, I'm jealous of that, by the way. <laughs> and and the new so record good. is phenomenal. Like it's, it's really just all these things happen and you're just, I, sometimes I have to pinch myself. Like we're, we're getting to do this still. Like it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. I don't know how I'd never, I had never seen the sleeping until what, two or three weeks ago, whenever this episode drops. And the fact that I got to see them, one, and two, that they just put out their new album, right? I feel like I'm becoming a ghost. Yep. I don't know if I ever thought knew the sleeping music was coming. And in this right. world, if you have a fan base, there's, even if you don't have a fan base, there's very few barriers to entry. You know, you can do it on your own. And that's exactly what they did. The sleeping from uh, Long Island, New York. And... uh they're back in a big way, and they just released their new album back on August 18th. We've listened to it a ton. It's out for the world. They played some new songs. Uh, when I saw them open for Sunny Day Real Estate, it's really fucking good. Like, mm-hmm. It's a great album, and mm-hmm. it's, it's everything that you would want from a band that you, know, you love back in the day that's decided to you know, continue doing this. Yeah, and it's not the same old retread, and we get into that with, with Douglas. It's not the same old, like, hey, here's a new... A version of the stuff we did in 2005. No, it's not. It's it's a it's a progression. There's some fun, different chances taken by the band, and uh, go listen to the record. But first, listen to our conversation with Douglas, which is uh, you know one of our favorite ones of the summer so far. I would say. And I think this is coming out. Uh, whenever this is coming out, we're going back to back Long Island. So I think you're right. Let's go. Let's go. Here it is, Douglas Robinson from the Sleeping. Great album. Check it out. We're here. Douglas Robinson from The Sleeping. How you doing? 
I'm doing well. Yeah, doing uh, doing well. I don't know when when this airs, but uh, we just got back from tour, so I'm tired and happy to be home. So it's like a a good mix of you know com- conversation time for me because I haven't really like I'm kind of unwinding, and that's kind of when I'm more open anyway. When I'm like tired and just kind of like oh shit. So I'm uh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm doing well. We won't keep you on for three hours. We'll, we'll let you get some sleep here. <laughs> oh, it's all good. We were trying to think. We've probably had almost a hundred like guests. Like we've Somewhere had yeah. almost two hundred episodes. But like as far as guests or interviews, maybe eighty to a hundred. Nice. We've only met a few of them, and now you're in that elite company, Douglas. You've met. One. <laughs> yeah, so we met uh, a couple weeks ago, Portland, Maine. You guys opened for Sunny Day, and yeah, you were you were dialed in to that set. Like very few bands watch the other bands you were watching that band yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i mean you know it's amazing to go on tour with people that you grew up listening to and then you know it's funny to like talk about it on stage and be like you know we're so stoked for this band they changed our lives because you know so many times you go see a show and things sound like you know scripted or some type of gimmick or whatever the case but it's it's pretty awesome to like say something that has to do with something as big of a deal as like seeing a band like Sunny Day every night and touring with a band like that. Because like everything you say is, you know, we're a band that always likes to be honest, but to be able to say it and know in my head that anyone watching this could get their own interpretation of what I'm saying. But like, it's actually 100% like true that I'm like a kid when they play. It's like really cool. It's a very, it's a very cool thing to be a part of. And, uh, you know, we've always toured with bands we appreciate, but I don't think anyone's ever been as impactful to us as Sunny Day. So, I mean, to be able to go on that tour and to be invited on that tour, I mean, I was like a kid every night watching it. So I, I'm sure you probably saw me like losing my mind in the corner because yeah. I don't want to like watch from backstage. I want to watch from the front, you know? Well, you are in like the, because it was at Aura in Portland, Maine, which is a small venue, like anywhere, yeah. you, you could be anywhere in that venue and it's a great vantage point, but you are like, just right in with the crowd. It was cool to see. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. I mean, we are all there for the same reason. And what makes me any more special than anyone else? You know what I mean? I love that attitude. That, that's a great attitude to have. I mean, obviously, in some situations, you can't do that. But uh, in a situation like that, you're getting to go watch a band you're playing in front, you know, for, uh, out on tour with. But you get to, like, also fan, fanboy out a little bit. Like, that's got to be the you're not really going to work, right? Like, you're going to just enjoy yourself. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of aspects. I mean, you know, when you get there, totally, right? It's like this, how is this a job? But there are many hours in the day that lead to getting to the venue and many hiccups, I guess you can say. So it's funny. I, I think it helps me appreciate being on stage more and being in these elements and moments because, you know, there is a lot that lead up to it where you're like, holy shit, like there's nine hours until we play. We got a five hour drive, blah, 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 whatever. So I, it, it's funny because there is that work element, but you're right. Once, once you hit the stage, I think it makes all that even more worth it. But yeah, like, I mean, I was watching every night, like this is crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's a beautiful thing to me because the business side of being in a band is sometimes you take shows that make sense or some, you know, in, in more of like a, relative way or financial way or whatever there's always different variables of why you take tours and take shows and this was a really cool one because all encompassing it was just like oh yeah this this is something 
you know, and the main factor was being able to tour with a band as life-changing to us as Sunny Day Real Estate, you know? So it definitely had its moments where it did not feel like it was real. I met, I met up with uh, a friend of Tony and I's there, and he asked me, he goes, what's your Sunny Day album? And I'm like, Diary. I mean, isn't that everyone's? I don't know. What's yours? Mine's Rising Tide. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that was his. I think Rising Tide and How It Feels to Be Something On are like very high up, like tied for me as my first. But I think LP2 is a close second and maybe even... I love Diary. I think Diary is super dope. And I know that's the quintessential Sunny Day. But like, honestly, I think there's so much texture in LP2. I think there's so much vibe and how it feels to be something on and i just think the songwriting is like immaculate and rising tide so it that's what it that what does it for me and ri rising tide i think just also sounds incredible so it stays there and honestly what keeps how it feels to be something on tied with that is pillars i was telling william this um you know after the first show like after we started talking I was like, dude, you're playing on pillars. I mean, obviously anything he does is amazing, but when that bridge hits, which is similar to the intro of pillars, but when the bridge hits, I told him, I was like, I always get this feeling every time I listen to that song, I can like hear, I almost feel like my, my, my sense of hearing creates a visual for that moment, especially when, when right the on. bridge, when the bridge hits, I feel like I'm like sitting in that room during the recording. Like I just started picturing like this dark room, like a couple candles and him just like playing that groove, you know what I mean? And, and he was like, actually, you're not far off. And he was like describing the room to me. And That's you know, that just that song alone, you know, on top of how it feels just being an amazing record, like that song alone, just like, scat, like it catapults that record for me, like up top, you know? But um, I mean, all of it's so amazing. And, and there's different eras of my life that make them more important than the other. So. Oh man, I, we're off to an awesome start right now because we could go a million different ways here. But so obviously you're a fan of music and, and have been for a long time. Uh, what the sunny day was a big one, but what else were you listening to growing up? What else did you love? You know, what, what kind of got you into like, I want to be in this world. Well, I mean, the first time I ever knew I wanted to be a musician, my dad before he like left or whatever, very young in my life was a drummer. And he used to basically, when I was just a kid, he would basically like play drums, let me watch him. Then he would like pick me, he would leave the drum room that he had. And he, he would like wait for me to like crawl. I was like, probably not crawl. I was like probably three or four when this first started happening. My dad said he used to purposely leave the door open and watch me go in and climb and start playing the drums. And he'd like purposely pull me away just to kind of always make me keep yeah. wanting it. So like drums are probably my first love. And even though I play everything, I think I always want to be a drummer. But in terms of like music, music, I remember, you know, besides the stuff I grew up on, like Selena, you know, my, my family's, I'm Mexican. My mom and my sister and my, my sister, like they raised me on Selena and a bunch of Tejano music. But uh, I think my first like punk rock records, my sister was dating this dude when I was probably like, I think I was like nine years old. And um, the first records he put in my hand, he was a he was a bass player in like a punk rock band. And the first records he put in my hand were Pennywise, 
I think it was a word from the wise. It, it might have been self-titled. I think he gave me self-titled and a word from the wise. No effects, punk and drublick. And I think like Earth Crisis Destroy the Machines. And I just gravitated big time to like Pennywise and No Effects. I grew up on like punk rock in terms of when the first music was introduced to me, like in this realm of what we do. Uh, it was like primarily punk rock, but I mean, my, my taste just changed all the time because I just wanted to soak up music like every chance I could. Uh, I grew up on like a ton of hip hop, Tripod Quest, like one of my favorite groups ever, Lost Boys. And then I think in terms of emo, you know, earlier emo Knapsack was another band that like changed my life. Obviously, like your early Weezer records. I mean, it can kind of go all over the place, but um, that's primarily what I first remember being like stoking everything and being like, oh my God, like this is incredible. You know what I mean? Deftones obviously were another one for me as well, but uh, it changes all the time and, to, and it always did because I always just wanted more and new and different. And, uh, you know, obviously I have my go-tos, but um, it changes still all the time. So I think we like everything you said. And it's funny how like I personally look back at those memories and I didn't know it at the time, but I recognize it now and appreciate now how much they did shape. Because like, what if instead of Pennywise or no effects or whatever, it was like, uh, well, some, you know, some of the genre, you might've just gone yeah. and ran with that. And honestly, the course of your life might've been different. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I had some other records too. I mean, there's this one Selena song that, uh, she did a duet with David Byrne of Talking Heads. I don't know if you guys ever listened to it. I can't remember the title off the top of my head. I have it somewhere. But my sister used to just lock. My sister was a singer, and uh, she was like a, a dancer on cable access. She wound up becoming a cheerleader for the Spurs for a while. But uh, she was really into music on that level, and she wouldn't like she wouldn't let me leave her room unless I sang David Byrne's parts like exact. Kind of where I like started <laughs> learning how to sing. Like she'd put a comb in my hand or a brush and she'd be like, sing David, you know, sing, sing the dude's parts. Cause she didn't know who David Byrne was. She's older than me, but she didn't listen to music like that. But, um, you know, she wouldn't let me leave the room until I would sing every note. Right. And that also kind of when I, when I heard talking heads and David Byrne, I just remember being like, Oh my God, like that's who sang with Selena and just a whole bunch of different ways that, um, you know, I I've always been into all types of stuff and there's these little elements and pockets of what helped me become a singer or a drummer or a guitar player you know but uh in terms of vocally that was definitely like a big thing for me but it's funny because that was before all the punk rock so when the punk rock hit me that's when i was right like on. i got my first instrument i got a bass guitar when i was like i think like 10 years old and i remember telling my mom like oh i'm gonna be a rock star and i didn't even know what that meant you know what i mean for years after that, I didn't even know what that meant. I was just like, oh, I'm going to be a rock star. Not saying that's, you know, I play in a rock band, but my goal was this, you know, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change the world, whatever the case, you know. So when did you, you get the bass guitar, but when did you decide, I want to start creating music? I want to find other people that are like-minded and, uh, you know, put put a band together and, and maybe, you're, maybe you're singing, maybe you're playing bass, maybe you're playing drums. But when do you start doing that? So I got the bass. I got the I got the bass and I was playing bass for like a year maybe until I randomly found a guitar in the trash and I like ran home. I was on my way to a friend's house, ran home, and I didn't like leave my house for like 
two summers. Like I just kept playing guitar every day. I just kept blasting music in my room. And I think at one point I just had to, you know, we were going to school. And at one point I, I went to Spanish class and this girl I met, her name was Kelly. And uh, I think I was wearing like a rancid shirt or something. And she was like, oh, you like music? I play music and I have like every instrument in my attic. You, you should come and jam. And I just remember being like, I was just so happy someone had every single instrument because at that point I wanted to play it all. I didn't know, like, I loved everything. I, I played guitar, bass at that point. My, you know, I all, anytime I was on a drum set, I would play, you know, so I was like, oh my God, this person has every, anything. I just want to like play. And then when we started jamming, she was a drummer. But when we started jamming, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. And then we formed a band. And ever since then, I've been in bands. And that was, I think, like middle school. That early excitement is like unparalleled, whether it's Unbeatable. like yep. your first set of golf clubs, your first instrument. Like I'm transporting back. Like I remember when I had got my first acoustic guitar. I know I knew how to play it and no fucking clue. But I just wanted to spend time yeah. with it. Same thing, bass guitar. And totally. you try to find people to round out a band. Tony, I don't know if you remember the Sons of Ire, which was Danny and Andy and oh, Sela yeah. and Mice. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, little band, which was <laughs> named after uh, StarCraft, the video game. Sons of Ire. Sounds about right. <laughs> That's sick. But it was just like, next man up. Who who actually has the equipment? And it was so exciting. Like, I just, totally. I'm transporting myself back through what you just said. And it's, I don't think I'll ever be that excited in my life again. Yeah, I mean, you know, we lose innocence and we get older and life becomes heavier and realer. And um, a lot of that like weighs on you all the time. And I do miss those moments of like innocence and finding things out for the first time, such as your career path or your life path or, you know, whatever the case. And uh, I've been trying to like find ways to hold on to that stuff again, or at least try to get close to that kind of unknowing. So that's been kind of like a journey for me as of late. So I totally can relate. You know what I mean? I know that feeling. I miss that feeling. I chase it all the time. You know, I'm happy where I am in life, but I definitely, you know, we all have our things and I definitely try to kind of like hone in on moments now where I can hold on to that, like kind of innocence or happiness because it's fleeting. You know what I mean? Very few and far between now. So. So true. I, you can't, I mean, that, that's exactly the, it's being an adult right there. Yeah. A hundred percent. You can't spend the time that we could when we were 15, 14, 15, 16 in your buddy's basement jamming out. Like it's just not this, not the way you can, but it now needs to be uh, scheduled and you know, it's totally. only can be this long. And, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you did it cause you loved it. And even though I still love it, there's still an outcome when back in the day, it's like, who cares if there was an outcome, you know, now music's become such a business to pretty much anyone now who tries to be in a band, which I think is good and bad. Cause obviously you want to become a, you want to get a business sense of how to do this to you so you can sustain it. But also it's like so many bands just come out of nowhere and they're like, Oh, we're a business now or a professional. It's like, I feel like they're somewhere got lost in the sauce of, just playing music to play music. And, you know, I've been really honing in on that when I'm back on stage because I'm much older now and I get to do this again. And it's like a really beautiful thing to actually like let that go. And I've been, you know, I've always been sort of, I guess, I don't want to say empty in a negative way, but I've always been just a vessel when I'm on stage. I don't care about anything. I don't think about anything. So there's like an emptiness in terms of, 
nothing is in my head. You know, I'm not thinking about anything. And uh, to be able to kind of like get that back again and hone in on that reminds me of why I did it in the beginning in the first place. Like, it's amazing to be on tour with, you know, life-changing bands, but it's also just amazing to be on stage and to perform with people you love all over the place or maybe down the road. So I, I've been trying to really like hold on to just that aspect and kind of get that feeling back. It's funny. You just triggered something in my head. We had, we had Vinny Caruana from the movie life on last week. Oh, and yeah. he, Avalanche. he said, uh, <laughs> I think it was, it was either him or Brian McTurn. One of the two said, no one's having a worse time on tour than the vocalists until that 30 minutes on stage. And they are having the best time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree with that? I think I've put my band through hell just as much as they put me through hell. So I like, I definitely think it's pretty even keeled, but I do, I do believe that. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't want to discredit any of my dudes and thinking they don't feel the same way I do, because I mean, we're all up there. We're all leaving our families, you know, we're doing it for the same reasons, you know, and I definitely know, you know, people like Vinny and Avalanche and people like my band, like none of us do it for any other reason other than the music. So uh, I'm bored a lot, but like, how can anyone not be, you know? So right, right. I, I agree with the sentiment, but I feel like I would be doing a disservice being like, oh yeah, it's just me having the worst time. Like everyone's probably going to fuck You're all bored so, out of your mind. You're all, and then you're just going to lug yeah. shit everywhere. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to get, I'm going to be even killed with that one. It's, it is a fun way to think about it though. Like, you once you finally get to hit the stage, you're just like, all right, all that other bullshit is gone. Let's go out into this and be present in that moment. So totally. I like I like hearing that. That's 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 awesome. Yeah, it's all that matters, man. Our band broke down like the second day of this tour, and it it's gone. You know the oh, band that we were using. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our our merch guy slash like fill in drummer slash driver, his band died in Pennsylvania, and we ditched it at like a service area. And we finished the tour in like a U-Haul in a car, you know, just to like make the rest of it happen. So we're all going through it. You know what I mean? But we made it and we did it. We made it happen and it was awesome. And we got to like play with, you know, sunny day people that, you know, we grew up on who have now in a way become our peers. And that's like a really cool thing. So, you know, the, the shit can be the worst of the worst and, and then it can be the best of the best for anyone. You know what I mean? None of that stuff mattered on stage. We're like, oh yeah, cool. We're about to rip. Who cares? So we we came into the the world of the sleeping back in the questions and answers era, mm -hmm. and like we know the story. Sky came falling, guys linked up with you, but yeah. we don't know like the full story. So how does how like would you remember the first conversation that ultimately led to the sleeping? Yeah, so there was um, there was a website called like instrife.com or instrife.net. And it was basically like a message board for like punk and hardcore. You know, I was coming out of high school. I had gone on my first tour. I, I didn't graduate high school because I was like, I don't care. I just want to like play music. So I went on like a big tour with my first band. And my mom was a single mom. So I was like always watching my sister. So I always had to miss days. So basically I just didn't graduate. You know, I'm a smart person. And I was just like, this isn't for me. I, I know all the book smarts I need to know. And I want to learn like the culture of the world, you know? So I just did, I just stopped going. And um, 
I was in that band and we were starting to do well. And I saw an ad on Instrife for, you know, X guy came falling looking for a singer. I played guitar and sang in the band I was in, but I was like, you know what? Let me put an ad in this. You know, my band was already kind of, everyone was starting to like think about things post high school and all that. So I was like, all right, let me, let me see what's up. So I got a response from them and they're like, oh, we'd love to try you out. We were on Long Island. I was, I live in Jersey. And uh, I li- at the time I lived like deep in Jersey and um, they're like, yeah, we'd love to try you out. You know, if you want to come, here's the time you got to take the train, whatever. So I basically told my mom, I was like, Hey, I'm like, you know, I'm going to start trying out for this band. And uh, my mom was like, all right, well, we have some news for you. She's like, you know, her and the person she was with at the time, she's like, we're going to move to Pennsylvania. Oh, shit. Yeah. So she's like, you can either, my mom was like supportive in the, my mom's a survivor in the sense that like she's been through a lot and she's never really like had a dream to fulfill. So she was just basically like, if you want to do it, go for it. But we're moving like four hours away. You can either come with us or you can stay in this house that we rented. That's eventually like the lights are going to go out. The heat and hot water is done. You can stay in here until something happens. And if not, you can like come back or whatever. So I said, yeah, fuck it. I'll just stay with, I'll stay here. So I wound up living. I moved all my bedroom stuff into the living room, this empty house. Um, Eventually the lights went out. I was pretty much like walking to the grocery store. I've been vegan for like nine years, but at the time, like buying cans of tuna, you know, just eating tuna out of cans and like, you know, living by candlelight pretty much. I had like a disc man and I would just read books in the candlelight or when it was light out and, you know, I would work here and there at a gas station. So basically I was saving enough just to like take the train and try out for this band. So without making it a crazy long story, cause I don't want to bore you guys with it, but um, you know, basically what happened was I was going back and forth a couple of times and then I stopped hearing from them. And I, what I now realized Ooh. they were just trying out a bunch of other singers, but for a couple of months I didn't hear from them. And I was like really bummed at that because I was like, just call me. You know what I mean? Just say, just give me a call and say no. So I had to take a lot of effort to get to Long Island from where I lived in Jersey, a bunch of trains, whatever the case, you know? So it was a lot for someone to have a car and pretty much had nothing. So eventually I wound up moving in with one of my friends who took care of me probably the last like couple of weeks before I like found out that I was to be in the band, but uh, I, I was dating this girl who went to Fordham University and I didn't have a cell phone or anything. I was always kind of behind, like when cell phones were a thing, I got my first beeper. When, you know, cell phones, <laughs> became, when, when cell phones became like Nextels, I got a flip phone, you know what I mean? Or, or the Nokia phone or, you know, Boost whatever. Mobile, it, the, yeah, the I was basically <laughs> just all where, yeah, I was basically just like always <laughs> behind. So I didn't have a cell phone at this time. I think something that happened where I just didn't have a phone. So they would always call my ex-girlfriend's phone. And we hadn't heard from them for a couple months. And I would have to get to Penn Station, which is, you know, the hub and one of the hubs in the city. I would have to get to Penn Station to go to, the, to Fordham. So I remember the day, the last day they didn't, I hadn't spoken to them. I like looked at the train schedules that I would normally hop on to take the train out to Long Island. I just remember like cursing in my 
like under my breath at the screen. <laughs> like, man, fuck you guys. Like you could have just called me. You know what I mean? Yeah. That day I get to my ex-girlfriend's university and she's like got the phone in her hand as I open the door and she's like, it's Cameron. And I'm like, what? She's like, it's Cameron. And Cameron's a guitar player. And I was like, oh, all right. So in my head, I'm not even like excited because I think they're just now calling me to tell me no. Right. And, um, and then Cameron, pick, you know, I answer, I pick up and I'm like, yo, what's up? He's like, hey man, I'm really sorry we haven't called you. We tried out like a bunch of singers just to like make sure we feel good about everyone we've tried out. And they're like, we'd love for you to come back. And pretty much that week was finally the time they told me I was like in the band after like 27 singers they tried out. Wow. So wow. yeah, it was, it was pretty like serendipitous the way it all happened, even though the serendipity was like kind of negative when I was like, man, what the fuck? Like you got you guys going to call me, you know, but uh, you know, here we are. So it worked out pretty well. And I remember Sal, who's, you know, all the, the band, you know, they're all my best friends, but Sal and I, very close and i remember sal you know i didn't know him and sal's bass player and he's got this like demeanor about him and he's like yo you gotta make sure you're ready to tour and i'm like yeah of course and he's like uh uh, he's like we're we're never gonna be home like you gotta really make sure you're ready to tour and in my head i'm like dude i've been living in a house with no lights eating canned tuna like i'm ready to go you have no idea yeah and we're leaving uh, tomorrow did he drop yeah yeah basically (laughs) basically but uh, I mean, yeah, that's how it went, and um, yeah, it's been a wild ride ever since. So, yeah, because like it was the questions and answers, like the the victory era that we got introduced. Mm-hmm. So that like that time frame was like 2006, 2007. Things are popping for you guys in a bunch of video games, and then I think what in 2013 is it or 2010? You guys call it quits or? Yeah, I think it was around there. So Cameron left pretty much a little while after Questions and Answers. In 2009, we made our second record. uh, I'm sorry, we made our third record, our first without Cameron, which was called What It Takes. We did it with Brian McTurnan. And then after that, I think it was around like 2012, maybe 13, we made The Big Deep. Uh, Maybe it was like 11 or 12. It was around there. We made The Big Deep. And after that, we were just kind of burnt out. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, there's so much momentum, so much momentum, so much momentum. And then it drops, you lose somebody. And then we make two records that I'm extremely proud of. But Victory, you know, they were a label that was like, if you didn't have what they wanted fast enough, and by they, I mean, obviously one person, if if you didn't have what said person wanted fast enough, it was basically just like, destined to be shelved on on to the next thing yeah yeah exactly and the big deep our last record it kind of happened at that point and uh i think everyone was just like super burnt out i had started talking to um the other band i wound up joining called night versus and you know i think it was just all sort of like lining up at that point for us to all go our separate ways so that's kind of like the trajectory of how our run prior to this re, you know, this re-emerging kind of thing happening. Like, I think that's kind of where it like took its course. So. So at any point during the kind of break from the sleeping, are you thinking, I, I don't think that's done. Like, uh, do you have an itch to get back to it any, at any point before this all happened? I think when it ended the first time we were all like fairly happy because honestly, I mean, you know, 
it's not like we never were had disagreements or anything, but we were, we're all friends. We've always remained friends. Cameron, you know, wound up leaving the band for reasons, but one of the main reasons he had met someone who became his wife. So, you know, it's, it, you know, it's not like it was just randomness. There were just things that needed it to kind of be the way it was. And uh, I think everyone was pretty happy the way it ended. I mean, you know, obviously you lose a lot of yourself when things, when something you love so much ends, you definitely like your confidence kind of tears away. There's a bunch of things that happen, but to be able to have remained friends through all of it, even in the beginning stages where it was like weird to sometimes talk a little bit, like Sal and I always, you know, I lived with Sal after the band and, you know, like, I mean, I've been with him pretty much the whole way. Joe moved out to LA, but we talked all the time. Cameron, you know, he went on his journey and for a while we just didn't talk just because I think everyone was just going that route. But uh, eventually we started talking regularly, like all the time. And it wasn't ever really like that. And, you know, we would turn things down at first that were being offered to us just because we just didn't feel like it was right. We're not a band that wants to like do it because all of a sudden everyone wants us again or anything like we didn't give a shit, you know, we just wanted to do it when it felt right. And if that was never whatever, you know, but uh, at the time when we started getting back and talking about writing a new record, it just started kind of like aligning in a way where people were less and less apprehensive each time we discuss it. And we had a reunion show that was scheduled during the pandemic and we had to cancel so we were all together. Joe had flown. Cameron had flown from Mexico where he was living. Joe flew from LA. So we're like, well, we have this rehearsal space where it's just us. Let's just go in and just jam and see what happens. And we wound up wrote, writing our first song in like an hour, which is the first song off the new record. So, Insane. That's awesome. Yeah. So it kind of just gave us this like, oh, okay. And then, you know, that is our chemistry. We always have a push and pull with each other. But when we get in a room, we write a song in like a minute. And it's a song that we're like, there wasn't much production really done to the first song. You know, the, the first song on the record, it's pretty much the same as if we had the demo. And that's the kind of chemistry we have as a band. So that just made us happy. And we went into this new record with no expectations other than let's get in a room with no material and let's just see what happens. And we made that record in under a month. So that's crazy writing and recording you know it's it, it, i think that was when we were like you know we were just going to make a record for fun and see what happened and after that and we got it back and we're listening we're like shit we made something really special that sounds different to us even though it's still us at its core and it's really resonating that way with a lot of people so uh i think something's happening in a cool way we we had that same conversation, did we not, last night, Anthony? That it sounds we like did. them, but it sounds like a progression too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It's awesome. Yeah, no, I'm glad that we're on the we're on the pulse a little bit. That makes you feel good yeah. about what we do. <laughs> no, it it it's uh I appreciate that sentiment too, because we never want to alienate who we are because honestly, if you change our sound completely, you're you're clearly obviously changing us as people as well. And like you know, we're different people, but at our core, we're still who we are. And I think the music is like a testament to our mentality when it comes to music, right? It's like an approaching writing and recording. It's like, we just want to do it because we love it. Whatever happens, happens. And we'll kind of 
figure that out at the end. And it wound up being something really special. And people are, you know, I have friends who don't even listen to my band, very close friends of mine that are like, dude, this record rips. They're like, it's you guys, but it's so different to where it's appealing to people who didn't listen to our band, you know? So that to me is like really cool because I don't ever want to just stay like pigeonholed and not for the sake of not being pigeonholed just because that's who I am as a person and who we are as people. We just always want to like create something that's unknown to us as well, you know? Well, I was thinking about it tonight where like leading up to this conversation, this album, in my opinion, I mean, I'm not in the sleeping, you would know, but like, I feel like this album could not have been written before now. Like if you look at the sleeping's canon, like there's no label pressure. There's no label sticking up for fans of, you know, and you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah, sticking totally. for fans of label on, on it. It's just, it's you guys. And, you know, there's no, you know, second album to satisfy a deal. This is, this is what it is. We go in with no expectations. We probably know we can't do this full time. So we're just going to have fun with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's like a little bit of right and wrong to that because it's like, there's no pressure. You're absolutely right. There's, there was no pressure to make anything for anyone, but we're very like in tune with each other and ourselves. And I think there was pressure in just making something dope for us. That's a good so, point for yourself. Yeah. 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 The, the pressure for me was a lot because I just want to make dope shit. I just always want to be hyped and I always want to challenge myself inward. And, you know, I want my lyrics to be better. I want my, my melodies to be better. I want my attitude to deliver more. You know, I always feel like I didn't have the attitude I know I have on certain recordings. And like, I actually feel like I really came into my own this time around. And I think for everyone, you know, there was a lot of pressure to just be a better version of yourself because you want to be not for anyone. It's not like a pressure that's outside. It's an inward pressure. And honestly, I felt so much of it while making this record because I was just like fired up to make the dopest thing I can make. You know what I mean? So there's truth to that because it's awesome not having any label pressure. You need this song done by tomorrow. I want this type of thing and blah, blah, blah. It was just like, all right, I want to be the dopest motherfucker on the block now so how do i make this happen you know and that that sometimes is even more of a pressure than all the other bs that you're like yo we know we're gonna rip it's all good but this time you know being more self-aware as a as a human being as an adult it was like you know i was aware of what i wanted to accomplish you know with expectations or not i was just very aware of what i wanted to accomplish so Mm -hmm. it was an interesting process for me well, and there's probably some, I mean, you guys do the Kickstarter route and you have it half funded in a couple of days and fully funded in 10 days. So there's probably mm-hmm. a little bit of pressure then too, because pe- you, people are excited that you, you want to come back and make a record. So you, you don't want to let any of them down because they're putting up their money to put, help you guys put a record together. So going that route, it's got to give you a little bit of that too, I would imagine. Yeah, but one of the things I talked about when we made this record and I suggested, and we all kind of came to terms in, in agreement with was we didn't want the record being made solely based on people having to put up for us. We made the record ourselves first. We actually funded the record. And then the, right the Kickstarter was basically just help us recoup, you know, and it wasn't for anything else. It wasn't for shipping the, the Kickstarter packages. It wasn't for, the, the money that went into the vinyl, 
you know, that we curated, it was solely for the recording and any other little odds and ends. I, I was in the beginning against the Kickstarter because I just didn't know if it felt like organic to me uh, and authentic because I've never been one to like follow that stuff. But it was life-changing because seeing people support something that would be theirs was beautiful. But it also made me happy in the sense that I really felt strongly about let's all pocket the record and then figure it out. So it's not relying on anyone. We still have it and we're going to find a way. But it just wound up being amazing to see how quickly it got funded. You know what I mean? It was beautiful to see that. It was incredible. But, uh, you know, we did it a little bit of a different way because we still wanted to have it for people. Well, in a crazy way, it's almost a callback to maybe how things used to be, like where you had to go to the record store to get the vinyl, get the CD. People had to go to the Kickstarter. It wasn't Kickstarter. It wasn't like, you know, you stumble across it on streaming and just sample it. These are people that actively seeked it out, and that's cool. Yeah, no, I can't. You know, I no amount of words or anything I say can really describe how I feel when I saw that we made that goal in like ten days, nine days. Like I was just like, we were a band that did very well for ourselves, but. You don't know if that resonates. You know what I mean? You don't know if people are going to care when they're older. I think something that the sleeping has that sometimes other bands or artists don't have, and not obviously many people do, but what I notice, my perception is like people who follow our band know that we were never just like going to be a revival band or anything like that. Like we're not one of those bands. I don't, you know, we turned down so many things to be on festivals that like, in the beginning, it's like, oh, like you're the older band, like come and play this older band festival. And it's like, we never wanted to do any of that. You know, like, will we maybe now? If, who knows? But at least we didn't start by doing that because we're not like that. We don't care about that. You know, we don't want to be a band just to be like, oh, we're back. Let's make money. Obviously, I want this to be a sustainable career again. And I've been fortunate enough to make, we've been fortunate enough to make some type of a living from it. But um, that's not like the main goal, at least for me. And I, I can speak for them as well, you know. But uh, to see it all happen the way it did was really cool. It made me like kind of put my faith back in, I guess, accepting change with certain things like a Kickstarter and these things. It kind of made me realize, okay, you can let go a little bit and not feel so jaded to like new methodology, you know. And I mean, you already had it too. So it's not like you were doing it because of the Kickstarter. It's like, no, totally. we were already, we were already together. We'd already put this stuff together. The record was going to happen one way or another. This way, it just helped you guys do it and, uh, and, you totally. know, lessen the burden a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was huge. It was huge for us. So we definitely couldn't have done it without anyone because, I mean, we would be so far in a hole. So, I mean, it worked out really well. You know what I mean? So I'm grateful for it in so many ways. So the album dropped August 18th. Uh, I feel like I'm becoming a, a ghost. I don't think we've said the name. Yeah. So at the, at the time of recording, we're what? A couple weeks out from uh, its release. So how's the reaction gone, both live and just from fans? I think it's awesome. I mean, you know, it's a slow build doing this yourself. We're kind of like, a, you know, re-engaging with fans. I mean, we didn't have an Instagram until pretty much this record. We made one, but never used it until like this cycle, you know? 
So there, I mean, I, every day there's people that hit me up. That's like, or, you know, hit the band up or myself, like, Oh my God, I had no idea you're a band again. You know what I mean? We don't have the distro right now to go all over. We don't have a label behind us. So we're like organically getting people back, but the reaction has been insane. I mean, honestly, you know, to hear people say how much of a progression it is while still being us is like a beautiful thing. And then on top of that, you know, I think it's just really cool to be back in the mix and have something fresh that isn't just a recycled copy of what we would have done back in the day or whatever the case. So blow burner in terms of building our fan base back up, but the trajectory is definitely like, it's like going skyward, you know what I mean? And I think also we kind of have this really cool thing happening right now. I think Sunny Day, this tour with Sunny Day really helped us, helped us kind of like, I guess, um, kind of restore our aesthetic. Uh, I think there was one point towards the end of our band, we were just taking anything we could take to like keep momentum. And now I feel like because we're all of a selective mindset, I think it's going to really help us with our future. And by no means are we going to like, you know, we're not these like assholes that turn things down because it's not cool enough or anything, but we can do this a little more methodically because, you know, we all have things that are really hard to leave behind. So I think, and people that are really hard to leave behind. So I think, I think having this new kind of, I guess, look and feel to our bands is going to really help us in being, you know, selecting more things in the future. And, um, you know, I, I know you, I picked up on you saying like, not as, you know, a full-time thing anymore, but honestly, like being full-time now is so different than it was back then. Like totally. we are 100% going to be a full-time band oh, right on. In, cool. in the, in the construct of what full-time is now. So it's like, be more selective, not kill ourselves on the road 10 months out of every year, you know, it's going to be very beneficial in smarter ways when you know the difference between being full-time back then and being full-time now is when you're younger full-time is you're like ready to die on the road no kidding Absolutely. literally and metaphorically like put your life at risk yeah where now you're older and you realize there are other ways to sustain this especially in the digital age all that stuff so we have every intentions of being full-time just in the the new terrain of what that means. You know what I mean? So it's interesting because it's a different world. It's a completely different world. You're right. And it's, I mean, the internet certainly helps that like 20 years ago, it's not nearly what it is today. And it's, it's a lot harder to maybe pull up, pull that off. But with the way it is today, it makes complete sense to me that you would, you would be more selective, do the things that fit your band and also, you know, make the music the way you want to make it. And uh, it's, you can do it that totally. way and, and be full-time and also not be, like you said, touring 10 months out of the year. And maybe that led to a lot of bands breaking up that maybe now they won't because of the new landscape. So Yeah, totally. You know, there was a really cool interview that um, Cedric and Omar from Mars Volta did with, uh, I believe, Zane Lowe. And um, they talked about, you know, your mental health on the road, especially now. And you know, back in the day, it was kind of like, um, it was kind of, I guess, frowned upon to kind of talk about that stuff, or we were all just kind of unassumingly going through it without, you know, knowing. 
And it's funny because now it's such an important thing in our lives because we're older and self-aware and we value our, you know, mental stability. And uh, I think it's very interesting now because I think you're right. I think a lot of bands broke up because they were constantly on the road. I mean, I, I can tell you a million times I saw people in my band as well as myself be like, this is it. You know, like I'm, I'm over this. I'm whatever the case may be, you know, and a lot of those times we would just push through because someone would kind of talk us and help us out along the way or whatever the case. But I mean, it, it definitely doing this stuff for a long time. I mean, we were just out on this tour for two weeks and it literally felt like I was gone for like two months. You know, all right the on. stuff that had happened, I, I didn't have a real meal the first like five days because we were just traveling and stopping at the gas stations. And, you know, I'm eating pita chips backstage with like a veggie platter, which I, hey, I'm all about veggies. But like, there's a point where you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot this is this is pretty much how it goes for any band that isn't like an arena rock band. You know what I mean? So I there's so much truth to how much it wore you down back in the day and wore people down back in the day. So I think a lot of full-time has changed because I think people are just more aware of how to make it a sustainable career while not killing themselves or leaving their family or whatever the case, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, I love my wife and I love my cat. It's so hard to leave them, but my dog is like attached to me at the hip. And like, even that has been a very hard couple weeks. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh, I bet. It's just about doing it smarter now and doing it in a way that benefits everybody. And honestly, the longer you're out, the more risky your life is. You know what I mean? The more at stake. I mean, you know, we were in Pennsylvania uh, on this run on a one-off day. We had a headlining show and there were gunshots down the block as we're like loading our gear. And I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, I forgot this happens too. And the venue brought us inside and kept us in there for like a half hour. And I'm just like, yeah, shit, this is the, this <laughs> is the road. Back. So yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure we all looked at each other at some point and said, welcome back. You know? <laughs> so um, again, it, you know, it's just, it just goes back to, this is the way <laughs> I sound like Mandalorian, but you know what I mean? Like this is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. this, this is definitely the new terrain for um, being a touring band and, You'll notice if you really break down band schedules now, you'll see that everyone is on this like playing field. You know, most bands, again, if you're like an arena rock band touring the world all the time, that's a different story. But most bands are in this like level, this like mindset, you know? Well, and I'm all for that if it keeps bands together and allows you to do, you know, be live a normal life for the most part, as opposed to eating carrot sticks every day. Cause it's all you can get your hands on, uh, you know, doing what you do. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not, that's just yeah, not totally. sustainable. <laughs> no, totally. It's, uh, it's interesting to do it now as an adult, as a 40 year old, it's a very interesting thing. Cause I'm just like, like back in the day, nowhere was my home. You know, I remember, I remember meeting my wife being like, here's the deal. You're marrying a musician. The minute I go, I go, that's it. And then I started like, the more we started dating, I was like, oh, I think I love this girl. I think it's like really hard to leave this woman. And then fast forward to like, we're together and, and married and I, I get like anxious leaving her for like three days. You know, I have like mad anxiety and, you know, we're, I'm, I'm, I think now I'm at a pretty good mindset of 
how I want to do this. So it makes it easier, but you know, it's, it's not easy. I mean, Sal has kids, you know what I mean? Everybody, it's a different world, but I think that's what makes it more special doing it selectively too. I think it makes you, you know, we had a, we lost a van on this tour and we're like, fuck it. This rules. Like we're going, you know, (laughs) we made it, you know, I've never, I've never seen all of us kind of be as positive in a moment like that because we've lost many vehicles and just the way we handled it this time around, I think was definitely really cool to see in this like new headspace we're all in, you know? Imagine describing touring like 20 years ago in the moment to someone not in our world. Yeah. I spend, I spend most of my days in a box going 80 down the highway. I probably piss in bottles. I eat fast food every day. I, there's probably no prospect of holding a relationship at home. You know, I'm not showering. <laughs> someone outside of our world would be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, totally. It's, it's like, it, it is crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I think our like third day, we had like a seven hour drive and all of us were in the van. Like we are fucking bored. But back in the day, I'd be like, I'd be like sitting upside down, like listening to music with like my feet in the air and like just doing dumb shit to like keep me occupied. And this time I'm like literally like sitting there like I'm I'm not someone who's on my phone when I'm home. Like I hate my phone. And I was on my phone like constantly on this tour. And I'm like, okay, I need to find a way to remember how to not do that aspect because that shit makes me even more like zombified, which I don't like feeling. So, you know, there's a new way that I have to navigate through this and I'm still kind of figuring out its ebbs and flows. But, um, you know, I I think a great thing we have this time is like, I I think we're way more self-aware. And I think that is something that's like a very big positive for this band because we used to just be like, we don't give a shit. Let's go, you know, eyes closed, wherever we're going, let's rock. Now we're, you know, I think, I don't think we'd be able to sustain it at this age that way. So now it's like very cool to see us kind of approaching this very differently. So what has been your, your favorite part of the process, this new, the new record, the, the tour, all the stuff that's happened, you know, since 2023 started, what has been your favorite part of this process, playing shows, creating the record, or, you know, talking to a couple of schlubs like us <laughs> promoting it. Um, <laughs> You guys. Um, there you go. <laughs> I love it. Thanks. Uh, honestly, it is, I'll be honest, it is awesome to do podcasts and like talk to people again because I'm also, I don't really converse with people anymore. I'm very, I'm kind of, uh, an, I'm very introverted. I'm definitely, it, I used to be such an extrovert and now I like don't even, I like never go out when I'm home. You know, that's call it old age, whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I, I've also been, I've gone through a bunch of stuff recently I've kind of been going through some mental things, but uh, for the most part, I'm just inward now, you know, so talking to people and being happy to talk again, you know, is nice. So I do enjoy that, but you know, writing and recording will always be my favorite part of being in a band. I love recording records. I I consider myself someone who's very into producing. Um, This record was produced by us as well as Chris and Mike who produced our three of our other, our four records previous, but I love producing. It's like a big part of what gets me going with music. I love creating and being like, I hear this over here or whatever, but that's kind of always been my standard favorite. I think this new process 
I think I'm really into the fact that, you know, I am way more business oriented and hands-on. And also I'm a vinyl collector. I'm obsessed with vinyl. I also run a vinyl shop when I'm home from tour. And to be able to curate our vinyl for this release was like a super important thing for me because many years ago, I would never even have thought like to curate and be and care so much about vinyl. I'd just be like, oh, Victory's putting it out. Cool. Where now it's like, it means so much to me. So like all the colorways, you know, the the vibe of, of the record, like all the vinyl and the colorways to match, like, you know, all of that came from me just being stoked to be a part of the creating of the vinyl. So I think that was probably my favorite part of this. Cause now I look at our records and I'm like, holy shit, like I handled all of that. And, you know, it was, a, it was a, a very proud moment for me in that sense, you know? Well, we talked about the creative process. I mean, I've, I've probably listened to the album 10 times at this point. And I would Thank say you. it overall, it's very upbeat, but then there's songs like Halcyon and no shadow in the sun that, kind of allow you to catch your breath a little bit. So it's mm -hmm. got a good mix. And then there's that, is it interlude? You call it interlude, right? Leo? Leo, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. an interlude, but it's Leo, yeah. So like creatively, were you, did you have a sound in mind or was it just, let's just let it rip, guys? Yeah, we just let it rip. Right I think on. our I think our one thing we said was like, I mean, we didn't, yeah, we didn't really talk about anything. And I think that's so cool. I think that's just, going in no agenda yeah you're back back after a decade like that's cool yeah no thanks I, I i think my only thing was i just didn't want to scream like scream scream there's a lot of yelling in it right because bands like at the drive-in uh murder city devils things like that like they're very heavy influences on me as well as many heavy bands but i i'm older i want my discrepancies i guess you can say i, I want my I guess I want the darker side of who I am to come out differently and not so much as some like angry person. Uh, I'm more like afraid now than I am angry. I think there's a different way I process things now. So it's like fear, it's anxiety, depression, whatever you want to say. So I wanted that to be delivered on the record. That was my only thing. I, you know, if there was a part that calls for a yell, which there is a bunch, there is still a lot of that in its own way on the record, then cool. But like my whole thing was like, I didn't want it to just sound like we were trying to be, you know, an, an ex-victory band. You know what I mean? That was pretty much it. But other than that, that was just within myself. There was like no discussions on the table of like, oh, do we want to be this or do we want to be that? We just would get in, write the next thing, sit in the live room, jam it out, and then we would put it to tape, you know? So it's always been pretty organic for you guys, really, it sounds like. You just kind of roll in, do your thing. Totally. We've always been like a jam, a jam band. <laughs> Not in the, you know, yeah, fish yeah, sort of yeah. way, no hate, but we've, we've always been like a get in the room and just go for it kind of thing. So to do that again, but do it with kind of nothing while in the studio was really cool because it gave us a little bit more of a sense of urgency when we used to just write and then take the stuff to the studio to be able to have like really done it, everything ground up in that room and in that compound was awesome. And definitely like added to the vibe of the record. Also, you can hear the sort of sense of unpredictability in the songs because I think we've gotten so much better at writing songs, but they're still, they still have our unique approach peppered in there. Well, it's got hooks too. The album's got hooks. This catchy. 
Do you remember what you said to me? I like, I remember listening to the first song. Do you remember what you said to me? And I was like, all right, I'm in like that. I'm in. And then track two is what tainted. Yeah. Our hearts are bleeding. Yeah. I'm in man. I'm in. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. That, that was something, you know, that was something I dealt with a lot too. Like I'm always challenging myself. And as I was mentioning too, like there was a lot of inward pressure and I was like, I need to, I want to be better at writing. I want to be more relatable, but, but a little less tongue in cheek that I, that I've been in the past. I've always been descriptive, but I feel like I was always a little more tongue in cheek. I was like, how can I be a little less tongue in cheek, lay out these kind of stories or at least be more descriptive. And, you know, I really wanted to start writing stronger hooks and thankfully we have songs that have resonated throughout the years or guitar hero whatever you know we've done songs that are catchy and hooky but you know i I really wanted to approach it as like how can i become the person i'm supposed to be in my scene and you know songs like halcyon like singing halcyon at the end i was like when i was I, i don't write lyrics before we do this i get in the room start jamming out the syllables start hearing words that I'm like, what am I trying to convey right now? And then when I start connecting it, I start realizing exactly what I'm trying to do. And Halcyon was a song when it first came to me before vocals. I was like, I don't know if this is my thing. I'm like, it's, it, you know, it just sounds like it's not where I am. But then as it started unfolding, it started like really taking its shape. And I was like, okay, this is a beautiful song. So how about I write it about like losing beauty? you know, losing the aspect of happiness and which is something I sadly deal with a lot, but like, how do I, how do I convey that? And then like the word halcyon, you know, just conveying that at the end, I've never done something like that. If you like, listen to our songs, there's never like our past songs. There's never like one word that sticks out in a chorus like that. And that was something I was consciously like, what can I say there that I'm feeling to really convey that you know that was actually going to be the original title of the record but one of my favorite artists ellie goulden she has an album called halcyon i'm like fuck i, I can't like copy that because it's not <laughs> right. where it came yeah, from right. but i feel like i'm becoming a ghost is way more fitting to the whole theme of the record anyway but yeah so you know that a lot of the lyrical content i'm so happy to hear you someone like yourself say it's like catchy in that sense because i really tried to focus when piecing everything together before doing vocal takes, I really tried to be like, how can I make this like the hookiest it can be, you know, while still being me. So. I would say mission accomplished on that front for sure. I mean, Hell yeah. Thank it's, you. it's a fun record to listen to, but it's also got moments where you're, you, you know, you're not, you're feeling too, which, which is what you're, I would imagine you're trying to, trying to get across there is, you know, we all have those, those moments and, and uh, the, losing beauty that that struck me because i i definitely know that feeling as well and have been down that road too so uh yeah it's totally it's it's damn good man thank you yeah i think we all know that feeling and and i think that's something i'm proud about too we made a record for our age you know what i mean we didn't make a record that is starting as if we're like 15 year old kids we made a record that anyone can relate to and honestly as you get older, you're going to relate to these things. And kids are probably feeling this way too, but we made something that at least was fitting to us in our moments. And we weren't trying to think backwards. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm proud of it in that sense, for sure. 
like any convers any conversation that we have like on the podcast or like in my personal life, I'm always interested in the how and the why. And with you guys, it's such an interesting case, like starting 20 years ago, maybe not being active for 10 years. So it's like, you know, you come back, how and the why. And the story is really cool where it's like the only pressure was what you put on yourselves. And I think that's when you can like truly free yourself from everything and just create what you want to create. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's freeing. And even though it's a lot of, you know, a lot of moments where you're like doubting yourself or whatever the case, like it's freeing to be able to come back this way. You know, we all see so many bands coming back together and it's cool because I see their side now too. Even if I see a band that I'm like, this feels very revival-esque or whatever you want to call it. It's like, I don't know what they're feeling. They could be equally right. as happy doing what they're doing. It's you know, and, and there's no hate on that by any means, but you know, everyone has their own journey. And I feel proud knowing we didn't go down the road of we're back. Here's the re-release of blah, blah, blah with, you know, deluxe. And even though that's cool and eventually I'm sure we want to do that. I'm just happy we didn't do it as our starting point because I don't think I would ever have been cool with that. Right. No one, no one threw a bag at you and you were like, yeah, I'll do it for that. You know? Cause yeah, exactly. We hear about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hey, the offers were there in ways and we just, at the time, it just didn't feel right to us. So we did it our own way, you know? Hmm. Well, and I think it shows, and the, the record uh, the record definitely worth your time. Go check it out if you haven't listened to it yet. If you're listening to us, hopefully you probably already spun it a couple times since it's been out. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a good one. And uh, we're super stoked to have talked to you about it. Let's let's dig into that vinyl stuff real quick, right? We got let's Anthony's got vinyl behind him. You got vinyl behind time. you. I know where mine is. It's right over there. <laughs> <laughs> We, we asked you at the beginning, we asked everybody at the beginning if they have any questions for us, and no one ever does, but we did get one out of you, and you asked us what our prized vinyl possessions were. So, Anthony, I'm going to have you give us yours right now. Let's go. Mine is, it's a test press of a band. I know you know the band, Douglas. Uh, Crime and Stereo. Nice. The Is Dead album. It was, on, it was yeah. their first Bridge Nine release in 2007. I got a test press. I think it's like 15 of them, so nice. I That's had dope. to have it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. It's always it's cool when you get the one you want. You know, what oh I yeah, mean? It's I, so dope. There's so many more I want, but like the one that I the the one that I have that of the ones I have that's at the top of the heap for sure. Nice. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's amazing, dude. That's awesome. What about yours? Oh uh, well, mine. <laughs> I, picking one's hard. I have a. Uh, are you familiar with Atmosphere, hip hop group out of Minneapolis? Yeah. So yep. they um put the Lucy EPs on vinyl back when it, they first came out. And it was a holy grail for me for a long time, but I ended up getting a copy. It's not in the best shape, but I have one. And I'm just happy that it's in my possession. Uh, so that's probably my favorite nice. one that I've gotten my hands on, being a fan of them for 20 years. Yeah. I, uh, I did uh, some stage managing, some stagehand work uh, for venues between tours back in the day. A bunch of us in New York, you know, a bunch of dudes from bands that pretty much when they're not on tour, they'll all just work at like Webster Hall and stuff, the best dudes ever. But uh, I worked in a, a venue in Brooklyn. I worked in an atmosphere show and I like put together the whole stage. And I remember his tour manager coming over, like, you want a gig? Like he like asked me to like go on the road with them. And, like, <laughs> oh, wow, information. and I just remember being like, oh, that was sick. Cause I was like, you know, I helped like build, um, I don't remember what tour it was he was on, but he had like all of the TV set up and everything. But uh, it, it was really cool. 
but yeah, that's uh that's a good one. I mean, it's really hard for me. It changes every time. And I, I, couple, I, did yeah. a, I did a podcast last time and showed these ones. So I mean, I'm showing them again because they are holy grail. So like, why wouldn't I show the ones that I've been wanting forever? Mars Volta promo of Francis the Mute. Oh, um, wow. This is a first press, I believe, or it's like a repress in the first run of presses, but it's still sealed. I want to say only 500 of these are made, maybe a thousand, something like that. But they're in this like vinyl slip case. That's amazing. And, and it's all glow in the dark, but it's, I've never opened it because I have the box set that has Francis the Mute. But this has the entire record glow in the dark and also has the Francis the Mute unreleased single, which, you know, it, was a, it never made, it was unreleased, never made it to the record, but it's the title track. It's glow in the dark in here as well. And it's the first of the glow in the dark pressings because they made a separate glow in the dark pressing, which goes for like 300. But uh, this is way more than that. There's this. And then I was able to get the Francis the Mute single on record store day this year. They released nice. it on glow in the dark vinyl, just like on its own, a little less rare. So now I get to listen to that. And then I have the box set, which is right there. I have the box set so nice. I can listen to Francis the Mute. And then I have this, which I'll never open. That is that is beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm super proud of it. And, uh, you know, I, I run along with the owner. I run a record shop called Vinyl Addiction Records in North Arlington, New Jersey. And it's the best because it, it's a perk that I get the things that come in before anyone knowing that I would want it. Of course. And, uh, and I just work it off. You know, it's like, oh, you want this insane expensive record? Just, all right, give me like work three days. I'm like, cool, perfect. Yep, so, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's that's all I need. That's all I do. I think another one, and here comes another red slip mat. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, vinyl slipcase. But uh, this Deftones um, oh boy. White mm -hmm. Pony record. So this only, I think, a thousand of May. This is this is a first press promo. This is open because I was like, I'm listening to this shit, even though I have the Hot Topic pressings too, which are also kind of collectible. Let me pull this one out real quick. It's kind of hard to take out because it's like PVC. I've done that before. We're like, you know what? I know this is rare, but I'm opening it, listening to it because it's fucking awesome. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I just, you know, this is as you see, like it's in red as the the you know the record is, um, you know the the case is so like i was really just stoked to have it but um the vinyl itself is red like bright red man I, i've seen like photos of this i've never seen it i mean oh, yeah. we're, not, we're not in the flesh but like the closest yeah. thing we're gonna <laughs> it's a it's a rarity for sure but uh i'm fortunate enough to have snagged a copy and uh it's another one that you know definitely not cheap but it's never going anywhere. So who the hell cares? It's an investment of my life and my mm -hmm. happiness. So yeah, there's that. I mean, then there's some that aren't even just that expensive. Like I have, you know, at the drive-in relationship of command, relationship of command first press, as well as the record store release, like orange version. Uh, obviously the first press sounds incredible. You know, that record was with court recorded with Ross Robinson, who also did right. the night versus record that, you know, one of the Night Versus records that I, you know, we made. And, uh, you know, that record changed my life. So to have that first press and to know what went into actually making that record on like an inside level, it's like forever ingrained as like a holy grail record to me because of that reason. 
And then, I mean, I have so many more. I mean, that, that should just give you an idea. I love my ISIS collection. I love my Mars Volta collection, even, even though I have the box that I have a bunch of first pressings. I have a bunch of no effects first pressings that I love. But yeah, I mean, the list can kind of go on, honestly. There's so many. I, and the box set, it's not as rare as it was in the very beginning, the Mars Volta box set. But I love that box set because it's got like this awesome book and write up about the band and uh, with like awesome photos. And it's got every record that's remastered to vinyl. And I have a bunch of first pressings of Mars Volta and it absolutely sounds better. So oh, wow. it's like, I'm, I, I, I was in Mexico and I, I saw a bunch of Mars Volta records that were first piece. And I was like, oh, I, I got to buy these. I'm in Mexico. Of and I'm at, you know, I'm at a, a shop <laughs> where there's Volta records, like I'm buying them. But I'm glad I bought them because I still have them and I love them. But when I listened to the box set, it was definitely curated for vinyl. So it mm -hmm. sounds really, really good. D Douglas, being on tour, have you always been a vinyl head? Because I can imagine like early 2000s, you on tour, you're just, I mean, you get a lot of downtime, a lot of record stores out there. Were you just searching for that grail or were you not into it at that point? So at that point, I wasn't. So I've never collected anything in my life my mother like threw away baby pictures. Like I was just never a collector household. My mom didn't save anything. And it definitely like passed on to me. I barely have any accolades from any of my bands. Like I don't, I just, I have like a shoe box of some Night Versus stuff. And that's like the most I've ever had of anything. Collecting records was the first thing that really started making me realize like I want to collect and value something. Uh, it's been a few years now. But I mean, I buy like a record a day. I mean, I'm, I literally have <laughs> yeah. like five coming this week. Um, and, and that's not even, I think that's not including the shop when there's just something I want there, I take it home. Mm -hmm. So um, it's become like a serious obsession. And, uh, you know, everything I get, I listen to in headphones. I literally, this is like my sanctuary, um, as cheesy and cliche as that sounds. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like all I care about. So it's pretty much like an every single day thing. I mean, before I even got on the phone with you guys, I just bought a record. Nice. <laughs> uh, if you look in this room, you'll notice there's no furniture. It's literally like a desk and a chair and records. Yeah. That's like all I need. So um, I love it. Yeah. I love it, man. Because, uh, I mean, you're, you're certainly speaking our language. I, like we said, we've got, he's, Anthony's got a bunch behind him. I got a bunch to my left, and it's a way of life. And, uh, you know, the vinyl piece of it's fun because you just never know what you're going to stumble upon when you're out in the world. And if you can find something Absolutely. cool, you're bringing that home every time. Totally. And yet now, you know, now that I do collect, my whole days revolve around record shops. You know, we have so many hiccups on this tour getting to the venues that I was barely able to like step out but like all i had in my mind i brought an extra bag for records and i was like i'm of going to shops every single day <laughs> you know just just the same way i brought my camera you know because i shoot photos a lot I'm, I'm a photographer and i brought my camera i was super hyped to use it on tour and i left it in the hotel the second day luckily we routed ourselves back so we had to pass that hotel but i was just like you know, there was just so many things that I couldn't do what I wanted to do, obviously, besides what I want to do every night, play music. There was just so many things during the day I couldn't accomplish. But my travels outside of my house, like, always revolved record stores. So I'm ready to go back on tour to be able to actually have the time to go and, you know, pick up some stuff. Because that's the best part about, you know, digging anywhere else is, like, 
you're going to find something that you wanted probably for a price you wouldn't expect, you know, mm-hmm. both high and low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It could be both. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of the name of the game now. I mean, you know, everyone, we always talk about vinyl amongst my friends and everyone's all, you know, someone's always like, Oh yeah, but it's coming back. I'm like, it's not coming back. It's back. Like it's vinyl back. is like yep. absolutely just back now. It's not even a question. I mean, you know, at our shop, we're selling new releases of vinyl every day. And when we first opened the shop, it was like, you just see the collection from person, our personal collections going like Dave, the owner had a bunch of his personal stuff. And then throughout the months and the months, you would just started seeing it shift. And honestly, Taylor Swift is a big part of vinyl being successful. Again, Jack White, Third Man Records. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that are making vinyl like actually, you know, its own thing again and not just a commodity and not just sort of like a, a novelty kind of thing. Sorry, commodity, not, not, not a novelty. It's like actually now just as if you're selling CDs again. I mean, they sell more than CDs now. Hell yeah, man. man. There will be a time in my life where I'll work at a record store. It will, it's not now, but. <laughs> right. It's the best, dude. Honestly, Growing up, that's what, that's what we did. We, you know, would leave school, go to the record yeah, we, store. We skipped school. Your car got towed one day at the, at the record store parking lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> we were in or, there for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> or Friday night by myself, just go to the record store. Like, yeah. like I know yeah. what I hang out with. I'm, I'm hanging out with records. I'm, I'm trying to find new use, whatever. And it's that, that hunt, that chase. I love the totally. chase. I think, honestly, I think it's a lot of the reason I don't go out a lot. I think I started really liking the fact that I was just to myself. You know what I mean? I think I started realizing, like, this is all I want. I don't want to go out every night. I don't want to spend my money on, like, booze. I don't even really drink anymore. Like, I'm really not trying to spend my money on anything besides taking care of my family and records. I barely buy clothes for myself. My wife had to force me to buy clothes this tour because I was just like, (laughs) I'll just buy a record. Which, by the way, you can edit this to be different, uh, you know, to be like more aligned. But I also, I would feel I would be doing a disservice to Nirvana if I didn't show my other grill. Nice. Nirvana in utero, first press, clear. Ooh. I think only like 2,000 of these were made or something like that. Maybe oh, even wow. less than that. Damn. Or no, maybe it was, it was more, but uh, for, it was a rare number for Nirvana. It might have been like 5,000, which at the time was like nothing. You know, I got this record from a a record shop that I know one of the, um, you know, the workers really well. And he was, he basically just gave me like a homie discount on it. And this is not a cheap record, but it sounds so good. I mean, it's probably one of the best sounding records I have in terms of like first press and just like, I I don't know. It like, you can just really tell why the nineties were so important for music. I mean, dude, this, the guitar, not just Kurt's playing, but just the guitar in general, just like destroys on this record. Sentless Apprentice, like the second song, it's insane. When the guitar kicks in, you're you, like, you can't not headbang. It's so sick. But anyway, my That's wife awesome. got this for me for my birthday. You know, I got the homie discount, but this is actually from my wife on my birthday. So on my 40th, another really great grail for me. Hell yeah. That's awesome. All right. Uh, we could talk vinyl all night. We could talk uh, the sleeping all night. We've done that for the majority of the evening. Now, um, we'll definitely have you back, Douglas, uh, especially for a vinyl yeah. record episode. We, we could do a full hour of that because that's fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. I'm 100% down. 
you don't have to twist my arm to talk about that stuff. So, <laughs> so where can everybody find you guys on the internet right now? Uh, you go to our Instagram, the sleeping official, follow me on Instagram, Douglas Robinson underscore. I don't really post a lot, but I'm there. If you want to check me out, you know, we're on Twitter, all that stuff. The band is, you know, so follow us wherever you feel comfortable. And, you know, we have our new record out. Check that out on Spotify or whatever streaming platform you have, Apple Music, Amazon, whatever. I feel like I'm becoming a ghost. We're going to be heading out, doing more stuff. So, you know, we'll see what comes along. And, uh, you know, we're going to start doing all that. So you can just look out for us and definitely, you know, stay engaged. We appreciate everyone listening and being a part of this, I guess, new chapter of our career. I'm really glad this happened. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, same, dude. And the story for you guys is just, it's not one of a kind, but it's unique and it's a cool story. And I'm glad you guys are back. And I'm glad I got to check you guys. And like you, you pair it with Sunny Day and I was like, I'm, I'm all in, you know? Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, dude. It was, uh, it was surreal. You know what I mean? It honestly was surreal. You know, there were great shows and it was just surreal to just be like, we can do this with people like this, with artists like this, you know, like they're a band that, most people, if you know Sunny Day, they're not always touring with bands other than who they want to tour with kind of thing. So to have been asked sure. to be a part of it, it's, it means something more that I don't even think we realized, you know, until this time. So pretty, uh, it's pretty cool. So keep an eye out on the socials for more from the sleeping going forward. Uh, all that stuff's in the show notes, too, if you can't remember or didn't remember it because you're driving right now while you're listening. Just go down and click on it. It's right there. And uh, yeah, Douglas, thank you for joining us tonight, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I, I really do. Thanks for talking with me. Thanks, Douglas. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Patio Slave. We are at Patio Slave on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of the places that you can find us on social media. Facebook, Patio Slave Podcast. YouTube, Patio Slave Podcast there. Email us at patioslavepodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you want to become a supporter, click on the link at the bottom of the episode and give us a dollar, give us five bucks. It keeps the lights on, keeps us going. We really appreciate that stuff. Thank you.